Hey, Daily Signal listeners, Doug Blair here with a bonus episode of the Daily Signal podcast. Former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe is dead, assassinated in Nara, Japan. As the world reels from the assassination of this beloved public leader, it can be interesting to know what exactly the consequences of this assassination will be. To answer those questions, we have Bruce Klingner, a Heritage Foundation senior research fellow specializing in Korean and Japanese affairs, to come talk to us. Enjoy. My guest today is Bruce Klingner, a Heritage Foundation Senior Research Fellow specializing in Korean and Japanese affairs. Bruce, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. Major world news today uh, as former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe was just assassinated. Uh, Kind of first off, what are the immediate implications of this murder for Japan? It's just a shocking development because uh, having such a senior leader assassinated, of course, would be stunning to a nation, particularly given that gun violence is virtually unheard of in Japan. Uh, They have very strict gun laws, have a a culture against uh, gun ownership. Uh, And last year, they had one gun-related death amongst a a population of 125 million. So Mm -hmm. the nation will be stunned not only because it was Abe being killed, but just anyone uh, related to gun violence. And Abe casts a very long shadow on the Japanese political landscape. He uh, served two different tenures as as prime minister, including as the, both the youngest post-war prime minister and the longest-serving prime minister. And he still was a very, very influential legislative member uh, and head of a major political faction in the Japanese political system. It sounds like there are, are pretty large implications in the country itself, but are there implications now for the rest of the world, for the globe at large? Japan's policies will not change. So it's it's a devastating loss for Japan, for its political landscape, um, but it will not change or alter Japan's policies. Uh, since he resigned for the second time for health reasons, Uh, two years ago, his two successors have maintained Abe's policies. So, and and they are very welcome policies in the United States. Mm -hmm. Uh, Abe was really visionary in creating a larger role for Japan in the Asia Pacific region, as well as uh, sort of strengthening Japan's security status, its military status, and his successors have maintained that. So Japan has shown itself to be a, a very stalwart and, and earnest ally of the United States. And, and Prime Minister Kishida, the current leader, uh, has affirmed in recent meetings with President Biden uh, Japan's willingness to confront the Chinese and North Korean threats in Asia. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we know anything about the possible motives of this assassin? It, it seems to be a uh, troubled individual. Uh, the initial reports was that he used a shotgun, but the photos of the the assassination, it seemed like a, a handmade weapon. Mm. Um, and given Japan's very strict gun laws, their citizens are only allowed to own shotguns or air rifles, not handguns or rifles. And there's a very stringent process even for for getting the shotgun. Um, he seemed to be troubled. There was a, a statement by the police that he was upset with Abe, but not because of Abe's political beliefs. Other reports, uh, a bit cryptic about that he uh, wanted to assassinate the, the leader of a religious movement that Abe is affiliated with, and the, that leader wasn't 
going to be in the, in the Japanese city that Abe was, and so he decided to kill Abe instead. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's a, a troubled individual. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned at the very top that this is unprecedented, that this type of crime just does not happen in Japan. Are there implications now that this has happened? One of the things that, ha- that, that was sort of striking about this was Abe was on a stump speech, which was literally a stump speech. He was out in public and people were shaking hands with him and very close. Do we see that sort of narrative shifting or do we see that type of communication that a politician will do in Japan shifting? There may be additional security measures uh, implemented. Uh, Prime Minister Kishida said that this Sunday's upper house election will continue, although with additional safety measures unspecified to be implemented. Uh, But amongst the Japanese uh, political landscape, really there is no distance between politicians uh, and the citizenry so that this assassin as well as other citizens could get very close to Abe uh, as well as other politicians. They often show up at railroad stations or subway stations to sort of press the flesh with, with the voting public. So we may see um, additional steps now to take uh, you know safety measures for politicians. Mm-hmm. American media has been seemingly pretty harsh about Abe's legacy. Um, I have some stuff from NPR. They tweeted a header describing him as a divisive arch conservative. While later on in a piece sort of describing what happened, they described him as an ultra nationalist. Is that a fair assessment? It, it, there's a lot. Uh, about Abe and his legacy. So uh, his policies uh, were, I think, very strong on national defense, on uh, affirming Japan's security role in the region, which was which has been limited since the end of World War II by a pacifist constitution and uh, just a, a cultural resistance to expanding the role of the self-defense forces. Uh, Abe was pushing and, and he accomplished a, a great deal. You know, the first National Security Council creation, the first national security strategy. Uh, he really was the visionary behind what became the free and open Indo-Pacific strategy and the quadrilateral security dialogue, which the U.S. later embraced. So really a, a very accomplished statesman. He also did have sort of what would be seen as nationalist uh, beliefs. He believed that Japan had suitably apologized for its role not only in World War II but its 1910 and 1945 uh, very brutal occupation of uh, of the Korean Peninsula. Uh, and he did uh, espouse views that seemed to downplay Japan's uh, participation and, and responsibility for those actions. And, and that generated a lot of controversy. So I, I think if you you need to separate his policies from sort of his – his personal beliefs, and which did tend to have nationalist tones. Mm. Now, you you did mention that Fumio Kishida, who is currently the prime minister of Japan, is probably going to con- continue a lot of those policies that Abe had put into place beforehand. Does his death changes nothing? It's it's literally just going to sort of continue on the way. I, I think it will continue. And what we've seen is because Mr. Abe was divisive uh, because of his nationalist beliefs. Uh, he was unable to achieve some of his security goals in in many ways because of that legacy of, of his views. Mr. Kishida does not carry that same baggage. Uh, and also given North Korea's and Chinese continuing uh, bad behavior, encroachments on the sovereignty in the East and South China Sea by, by Beijing, uh, North Korea's continuing nuclear and missile tests, et cetera, uh, there's a growing support amongst the Japanese public for stronger security roles. And and two issues in in particular, uh, Japan 
striving to double its uh, defense budget to perhaps 2% of its GDP, uh, as well as Japan acquiring what would be called retaliatory base strike capabilities or attacking North Korean or Chinese uh, missile units after they have already fired an initial attack on Japan. Both of those uh, issues would have been very unheard of in the mainstream political discussion even two years ago. And now they're being discussed by Mr. Kishida as well as sort of mainstream pundits and politicians. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's not necessarily because of Mr. Abe, but because the security environment has been seen as increasingly being degraded by Chinese and North Korean actions. Given that this is a domestic security concern and that Abe was murdered before he was able to get a lot of these things like the constitutional shift away from not being able to have a sort of formal military. Currently, Japan has a self-defense force, which is not really a military, but kind of a military in name only. Does that seem to impact maybe how that will go forward now that there is a domestic security concern as well? It's hard to say. Uh, I don't know if there will be a, a sense of you know, we need to fulfill Abe's legacy by implementing the policies he advocated because Mr. Kishida, in essence, already does that. I, I think there will be a collective shock in Japan, perhaps such as what the U.S. went through when John Fitzgerald Kennedy was assassinated or, or Robert Kennedy, uh, just a, a stunned nation. Uh, but I think on the policies, it, it won't really have an effect. Mm -hmm. As we begin to wrap up here, now that Obviously, Mr. Abe is dead, um, and he. We have this opportunity to look back at his legacy. How should we view Abe's legacy, and how should we view how it will impact Japan going forward? I, I think it's a very positive legacy uh, on the policy side. So he really had to take the ball and run with it uh, against a lot of domestic resistance to having Japan uh, have a stronger military to stand up to the threats from China and North Korea, which were not always understood by uh, others in his his party or his, his country. Uh, and he, he really put a lot of political capital into achieving security successes that I don't think anyone else would have been able to do. They, they either did not have the acumen or the, the just the star power that Mr. Abe had, so he was able to push it. And as I said earlier, that said, he he did have sort of a stigma of being a nationalist, so any step that Japan took to improve its security was instantly interpreted by Japan's neighbors, China, North, and South Korea, as a dangerous return to Japan's militarism of the 1930s and 40s. So, you know, the current leaders don't have that legacy, so I think they will be able to further Mr. Abe's policies really in a easier way because he not only broke the ice on those policies and set the path, but also uh, they won't have that that contentious uh, persona that Mr. Abe was seen to have. Absolutely. Well, in the meantime, we, we wish the best, obviously, to the people of Japan, Mr. Abe's family, uh, and as they go through this. But that was Bruce Klingner, a Heritage Foundation senior research fellow specializing in Korean and Japanese affairs. Bruce, thank you so much for joining us and explaining everything that's going on. Well, thank you for having me. And that'll do it for this bonus episode of the Daily Signal podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed it, please subscribe on your podcast listening app of choice. That is Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. If you haven't already, leave a review on your podcast listening app of choice and encourage others to subscribe. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow for a Saturday edition of the Daily Signal podcast.
The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. The executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen and Doug Blair. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. For more information, please visit DailySignal.com.